<coughs> so we have some time, I have some time, if you have some time. Um, you want to sort of sit with that for a while and ask any questions. Or if it's time to leave, you can feel free to leave. States of absorption are based upon, um, fundamentally based upon generating a kind of feedback loop. So between your, your, you know, you direct your attention, you listen, you get feedback. You know, you direct your attention, you direct your attention to the breathing, you tune into that. Is it comfortable? Is it steady? How is it? Am I with it? Am I skipping away from it? Can I stay with it? Where do I lose it? Okay. Can I, what supports that? You know? So you get this kind of feedback of, in, of intelligence. As that develops, the mind will, skillfully, the mind will tend to gradually gear itself to, to the breathing, for example. It will come out of its jerkiness or its scatteredness and it will start to tune in. That, along with that comes um, you know, these, all these hindrances, of course, which are. Um, so, you, so you keep tuning in and relaxing and releasing the, the, the energies of the hindrances which generally are quite constrictive and tight and pushy um, and so the result of that is you begin to feel something like a kind of uplift buoyancy because your mind is not carrying the kind of baggage that it was you feel happy the mind settles and the quality of happiness and stillness that becomes apparent is the sign that your mind picks up. Pick that up with the mind. And the happiness and stillness, it's not, it's not separate from the body, it's not separate from the breathing, but it's not exactly the breathing either. What happens, the physical signs of the breathing will tend to evaporate or dissolve into a general suffusive sense of well-being and stillness and it's the signs of the qualities of stillness and ease not as abstracts but actually palpably felt uh, that become the uh, focus for attention because it feels good the mind will keep wanting to deepen into it because it feels steady the mind doesn't have to scale well for it because it's there so that sense of that has this um, you know, ways in which the absorption will deepen mm. Buddha described uh, also as the, the qualities of stillness and ease are, have to be spread that is the more, the more you spread it the, big, the better it gets it's not like you've got your little bit so hang on as you get some of it you start to spread that through your entire body um, your head arms, trunk, legs, feet hands, the space around you so this, this by itself this, this softens 
the, the felt experience of the body. The experience of the body can be this very sort of stiff um, physical form with all kinds of different textures in it. You know, some's hard, some soft, some painful, some some not so painful. And the, the quality, the, the theme of suffusion is to spread the quality of stillness and ease through the, the whole bodily field. Till, as he says, there's not one part of the body that's not suffused and pervaded with this experience of ease and, and stillness, uh, because there isn't any part that isn't like that. You know, you, you absorb into it, or the mind will absorb into it. There, are, I think, the things to probably need most often to be emphasised in Dharma cultivation is. Um, that you look for the good, which is like good, morally good, things you have no regrets about, things that are happy, things that are bright, things that you can feel comfortable with. You look for that, you hold it. You just linger with it longer and longer and longer. Yeah. You don't say, next, next, next. You know, it's it. And it's rather like filling, like you fill that cup. And it's th- as it fills, if you hold it there long enough, it begins to fill up, then it overflows, and it comes and, and it takes a bigger form. You know, it's like the forms crystallize around the essence, the essences of, of, of well-being and comfort, and then that gradually takes on deepening forms. Um, mostly, from why I think we have to emphasise that the need to just hold and sustain and bear with is because most of us, we get a little hit of something good, we push more, more, you know, or we uh, actually enter meditation with a sense of more, more, get, do it, make it happen, get out of this state, get into that state, and so there's a strong um, default um, psychological quality that pushes and drives, and that psychological quality of push and drive for most people, yeah, I never say for everybody because life is surprising, but for an enormous amount of people, prevents them from getting settled and happy. You know, they may get, they may get sort of a held concentration, but they don't get an easeful concentration. Yeah? And so the, the drive itself, although it, it's maybe well-intentioned, is not, it lacks the receptivity and the empathy and the patience and the contentment that are needed to really form a good home for the mind to sit in. So you've got to create a good nest, then the mind will sit down. (laughs) If it's not a good enough nest, the mind, you can hold it there, but as soon as you're looking at it, you're going, give me honey, yeah, you know. <laughs> but if you create a nice nest, you know, the mind will, will tend to want to sit there. Yeah. And t- building a nest is a little, it's a slow process. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it can be a very lovely process because you want to be comfortable that process, you know, idea of just make something nice, you know, pick up something nice in yourself and make much of it. So learning to appreciate the goodness that you have, and the wisdom that you have, and the compassion that you have, 
is important. They will all help. You know. I mean, the whole meditative drive must not be separated from very ordinary goodness and wisdom that we already have that needs to be acknowledged in ourselves. We're quite good at acknowledging the faults. And it's not to dismiss the faults, but yeah, 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 but also there's this. You know, look at that, you know, pick that up. Make much of it. And then then that will that's really that's the strategy of meditation. The mind will then absorb into it. Feels trusted in the home. And to do as little as possible. Which is again another um, counterintuitive um, idea for a, a culture. You want success, do as little as possible. <laughs> so you don't, you don't do anything, just do as little as you need to do. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please. I have two questions. One is how important is Sheila? or efforts in mental concentration. And the second is how significant is sexual abstinence in this tradition or your monastic tradition? Well, the first question, Sila, really, it, it's uh, uh, vital. Yeah. Everything arises out of Sila. Sila means, well, roughly means morality. It, to get another way of looking at it, it means it means mutuality. It means just like me. It means I don't want to hurt you because I don't want you to hurt me. It means I don't steal from you because I don't want you to steal from me. I don't curse you because I wouldn't like that to happen to me. Um, so it's mutuality and um, morality is just uh, the conventions that support mutuality real mutuality, real compassion and sharing so unfortunately we use a word like morality and I expect part of us or much of us will will relate that to the experience of blame, punishment. If you do this, you're going to get make, be made to feel bad, yeah. and that is a rather rather unfortunate because it's a way to look at it because it's it's what I call top-down morality. The morality is enforced by somebody else, and although. You know, there may be um, reasons or times when other people need to show us or tell us or indicate what we're doing is painful or unpleasant. It's unfortunate if we never get beyond the sense, that sense. Morality is killing my fun. Morality is, is a, some kind of moralizing, righteous hang-up. So I'm kind of almost sometimes loath to translate Sila. Uh, so I think it's, a, it's the mutual sense. Well, you, you, it's necessary because uh, it's something we can do. You know, we can do sharing. 
we can do giving we can do forgiving we can do restraining and when you do that you're learning to look at your energies in terms of is this go, where, how's this feel? Is this going to a good place or a bad place? Yeah. What's this feel like? Yeah. Just put that, put that there. What's this, what's this like? The Buddha's second realization, led to his full awakening, was understanding good and bad. Yeah. Not thinking good and bad, understanding. When I think and do and act that way, it's got this, this effect. When I think and act in this way, it has another effect. So you start to you know, come underneath the thoughts and to the, the kind of energies and the feelings that are associated with um, insulting or abusing or stealing or manipulating. You know, pretty obvious. You get a feeling for that. And it's tight and it's sour and it's twisted and it's not nourishing. You get a feeling for what's associated with generosity and forgiveness and harmlessness and it's sweet and it's sustaining and it's nourishment. It makes you feel good. You like to go back and think about it. You know, they're little treasures. So you get that, your mind has got a, as is finding in this very, you know, one of the better words, mundane life of boundaries and things to do, we're finding play. we can operate in ways that will give us joy. And so, when you get, so it's a very ready foundation to get the sense of personal freedom from regret, anxiety, and training the mind not to be sneaky, manipulative, defensive, denying, sidelining, blaming somebody else, but just be really straight, saying whether anybody else notices or not, what does this feel like? Do I want to live like this? So, you know. The training morality is to, is to get that sense. So then your mind will become something that you can rely upon. It doesn't lie. It doesn't fib. It doesn't prevaricate. It doesn't abuse. And it won't do that to you. <laughs> you know, if, if you don't train to do that, it will do that to you. It will come back and, and scold and, and badmouth and abuse you. It, you know, so it's, that's why it's important. Yeah. So it's skillful in, 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 in the results it immediately gives and skillful in training the mind to operate in, in, in more beautiful and sustaining ways. Sexual abstinence, um, celibacy. Sexuality is something that we've follow for sometimes, you know, for, for you know, having babies and a lot of the time not for having babies, but because it's pleasurable, fun, intimate sharing, enjoyable way of, you know, bonding and so forth yeah. so if you want to have babies then you need sex if you want to be intimate and have fun and joyful and be loving with each other you don't you know, you know in an ultimate sense so um, it's what you want to do really um, now you know 
obviously uh, uh, in my own life as a celibate monastic it takes quite a while to turn the old engine round because <laughs> it always you know it's very it's very deeply ingrained the the sexual instinct and the sexual habit um, so for myself it's mostly been a process of really trying to understand the best where the real cream of relationship for me for other people is and how if I if I can uh, I can have uh, that experience with many many people a lot of the day which even when I was 25 I couldn't do sexually (laughs) 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 I certainly couldn't do it now (laughs) and uh, unfortunately uh, speaking personally and it may be something (laughs) you find relevant one of the sexual experiences didn't quite go very well actually <laughs> you know most of, the, most of what was involved with sexuality was you know trying to get hold of someone angling up to it making a fluff of it missing it blowing it feeling, feeling fed up trying again you know um, all the kind of the, the whole stuff of trying to get the thing going and then actually even sexually, sexual you know experience itself wasn't always you know what it's supposed to be in the movies I you know not really completely not puritanical about it it's just being pragmatic thinking, you know I put a lot of effort into that <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the payoff wasn't really as good as I thought it should be you know when, when I got the idea in my mind it looked like it was going to be all rosy and, and really great and just boom there you go it didn't quite happen that way and uh, so I, and you know I, I think when you look at it more broadly you realise well you know the negative things that come with sexuality like you know venereal disease and uh, rape and uh, you know those obvious things you know, very 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 difficult unpleasant things jealousy cheating broken hearts accusations murder you know, um, because of sexual infidelity or sex jealousies and so forth Whew. you know this is playing Russian roulette isn't it I mean you might get a good shot mm. <laughs> uh, so if there's a way to, to get the real cream without having to run the gauntlet of this stuff that would be great and uh, it's worth in my mind it's worth trying it's worth having a go at um, so certainly um, restraint is good uh, sexual clarity um, the, the sexual sexual thing is, is seen much more just in terms of physical or pleasure but of, of a kind of something that's intimate and sharing and responsive and responsible I think that's the bottom line and then I think it's really helpful to just at least somebody to say it's alright being celibate I haven't gone nuts you know uh, and um, it's good it's good <laughs> sex is good too but celibacy 
don't know if I, I think I prefer it by and large fortunately <laughs> but you know you make your own choices with that this is worth, worth practicing with because it's not just a kind of puritanical clamping down that doesn't work but more or less trying to channel the energy through the heart so you develop a lot Brahma Vihara loving kindness and you try to you know move more towards that side of things and the kind of physiological stuff if you get sexual desires and tensions and things, you just try to use the body breathing to, to release that and, and that's, a, that's a those are very skillful in, in that cultivation yes Pain that comes to the body that you're not personally responsible for. Yeah? And pain that comes to the body because my mind is dragging the body along to be productive. Pain that comes to the body because the mind is misusing it. Yeah? Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. Well, the last, the last kind, pain that comes to the body because the mind is misusing it, is... Um, you know, more straightforward in some ways, and that you just um, f- learn, trying to to put the mind to one side in a way, and just learn from learn from the body, you know, how the body how the body sits, you know, how how it can sit, and how you can train it and gradually help it to sit. So the mind, you know, it's rather than okay, sit there, don't feel anything, you know, leave me alone while I meditate. The attitude is much more well. How do I, how do I get, how do I help the body to sit? You know, you can do stretches and you can do exercises that to, to make the body sitting a lot more comfortable. So your relationship to the body is much more one of of supporting and guiding and training and developing than of of just forcing it or or not relating to it in a skillful way. Mm-hmm. For example, it can sometimes take several years to 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 sit, to to, to train and adjust the body to sit in in this particular in the meditation posture. Yeah, um, just learning what you need to do in your back, for example, how you need to balance the body, how you're going to get the legs, the thighs, and the hamstrings to soften, and it doesn't just happen in half an hour. It takes several months. Someone has to be very patient with it and know when you're getting pain and discomfort that um, needs you to respond to it by moving, by shifting. So if you start with an ideological position of thou shalt not move, that's a mental application and you want to keep those mental suggestions in the background. First of all, find out what what the equipment is capable of before you start deciding what it's going to come up with and how it should be. We need to start to learn how it is and how you can support it and encourage it. Um, so the, a skillful relationship with the body is very important. And recognizing the body can adapt. You can, it doesn't have to be like it was on day one. You can change it. You can gradually... Uh, train it and improve it. Yeah. 
the kind of pain when you pain you can't do very much about pain that comes to you through disease, for example, or bone fractures and things of this nature. Um, the probably the piece to remember is if the body is painful, you don't want to add mental pain to that. It's painful enough already. You don't want to add emotional and psychological pain to it which comes through feeling impatient, feeling frustrated, feeling depressed, feeling agitated, um, resisting it. So mostly with that kind of pain, uh, the skillful thing is to, to find places in yourself that are comfortable. Uh, like if your legs are in pain, maybe the center of your chest feels comfortable. And just focus there for a while, get the mind to relax, and then start to spread your awareness through the pain um, so that instead of the mind kind of resisting or shutting down or fighting against the pain the mind is encouraged to, to sort of breathe or move through it so you, you lessen the mental resistance or the psychological emotional resistance to pain and the reactions to pain and then the pain itself which is a compound both of sensations, feelings and mental feelings is diminished because you're taking away the mental additions, the mental resistances, the mental frustration. Um, and it can be the case that in some cases you can, you can still feel that pain but it doesn't dominate your mind. It's just like, you know, you can hear the sound of the traffic but because you haven't, you're not you know, fighting with it or worrying about it, it's just there and it's not really entering the centre of your being. So then it, the pain is both there and yet somehow much more manageable because you're not adding um, psychological stuff to it. postures of the body, standing, walking, sitting, lying down, knowing you're stretching, knowing you're leaning, knowing you're, you know, you're actually living within your body, whatever it does. Um, and if you like, the, the same measurements of ground, ground and space, I think, pertain to all of it. That is, when you're walking, be aware of the soles of your feet. Be aware that you know you're staying centered in yourself. You're not caught up in what you see. Mostly, when you walk through a city, there are many things that grab the eyes. Um, walking is, is um, in many respects, better than driving because you know you, you can moderate it more. When you're in a car, you more or less got to go with the traffic, go with the lights, go with the speed of the other cars. When you're walking, you can. Just stop. <laughs> you know, you don't have to go at everybody else's pace. You don't have to look into the shop windows. You don't have to look at what's on the billboards. So you can stay centered in, in the body. 
Um, that's a very uh, nice exercise to do when you, when you walk. You're going to walk from here to your car. Why don't you just really walk from here to your car rather than get up, think of your car, and you get this kind of blur until you get to your car. Why don't you actually walk down the stairs? Or get in the elevator or walk. or Feel, feel your body all the way from here to the car. You know, if it's just even six minutes or ten minutes training like that um, so you don't go out through the mind's perception of got to get there got to be there you know because you can only be there when your body gets there <laughs> when, when you get there then you'll be there so you know <laughs> uh, and you don't go out through the eyes which are the main things that get caught in, in cities. You know, your eyes are going to fall into things that you really you don't need to know, actually. Part of it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's great, because I'm an advantage. I haven't got any money anyway, so I can't spend anything. There's absolutely no point in looking at a shop window whatsoever. And yeah, I want to. I think, well, Because <laughs> that's what those things are designed for. They're designed to grab eyes. So in that sense, they're just... No, what do you need to do? You want to walk down the street, get to the end, go for a cup of coffee, well, just do that. Um, that helps. Walking, standing, learning how to stand. So when you learn how to stand, you never get, you never get irritated with waiting. Because standing is really pleasant. No. If you stand properly, it's a very satisfying grounded feeling and things move just as fast as they do when you were hopping from one foot to the other <laughs> feeling upset and agitated why don't people get out of my way you know? so you haven't lost anything and you've gained something um, also helpful for when you get these very powerful em- emotional rushes so irritation or excitement not to to react to that but just to feel what's happening in the palms of your hands <coughs> and the soles of your feet if your conversation is getting a little bit on the negative or angry side just go to your hands feel what's happening in your hands open the palms of your hands breathe out and uh, loosen around your throat so you start to sense the parts of your bodies that, that how they operate when, you, when you're going into agitation or fear or anger then when you undo it undo it in the body sense don't have to make a judgement but you can feel it and then just soften it soften and widen in terms of um, mental, emotional, psychological um, conflict soften and, tight, soften and widen and that you can do through your body breathing in and breathing out Um, and just I think things like when you get to the end of the day when you want to lie down you want to go have a rest, lie down just lie down that is rather than you know half read a book while you're dozing off well you just really just lie down because that's what you've got that's what you're doing it for (laughs) and being prepared to again a, a little bit of restraint or renunciation if you like on the ways we, we fill up every moment with mental activity when if you go into your body well there's enough there to read already just feeling the sensations in your body and then you can go to sleep 
feeling your body uh, breathing energies in your body and so the more that becomes kind of like your home base and more comfortable and geared up you get to it it's uh, it's a good place to be you don't have to, you don't find these gaps in the day that you're trying to fill up with things because you, you're already with something that helps too for the the impatience and the greed and greediness of the mind. I think also it's good to do physical exercise, you know, yoga, something like that. Um, very beneficial, even 15 minutes of that is, is really useful. To It does shift the gears of the mind very much more radically than just sitting in front of the television. You know, kind of count, you know, vegging out in front of the front of the box. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> yeah. You can you can relax and refresh yourself more directly through the body than through um, um, sort of secondary forms of entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah, yeah. Um, I think you don't want to let formal procedures supersede um, realities. So, you know, um, what I would recommend maybe is just sort of sitting, centering yourself, feeling into your body, and start to sort of just generally feel around like, is there anything here that particularly needs addressing? Like I feel some tension in my shoulders, or maybe I should address that first. You know, so you, you, you know, you, rather than well, that's got to wait until I've done my legs, and then <laughs> uh, uh, you, so you can have kind of a, a general scan, and then if, it, if more detail is needed, you can then determine where it's needed, or pieces that you don't feel very much. You know, might you, you might feel areas of your back you might not feel very much at all so why don't I just put more attention there um, I think it's, I'd recommend starting with the basic setup of the centre and, and, the, and the surroundings that is you've got a central core and you've got skin you know so you've got an inner, inner core quality and inner centering quality and you have a skin which is permeable is sensitive so how am I in the space around me you know, is my skin is my, my being is my body being open to what's around me is it comfortable, is it safe so you check is the front is every, does it feel safe in front of me can my body be unarmoured in front you know, is it the same behind me is there any pressure, be, you know, bearing down upon me? And you start to check the space around you, and you make it benevolent. Turn into that which is benevolent, unobstructive, unimpeded. Yeah. And you get, want to get your body to really know that, because yeah. I would hope that wherever you're sitting, you are sitting somewhere where it is safe and unobstructed in front of you. So, but maybe your body doesn't know that. So it's still kind of like this. 
because she'd just been, you know, out in the gladiatorial contest of daily life. You haven't got your armour off yet. So, ah, okay. Ah. Ah. Ah, that's off. <laughs> and the same behind, you know, I haven't done have the carapace behind me to shield, shield myself from. Is that okay? Yeah, it's okay. Oh, great. Yeah. And so, you know, so the four directions in front, behind, above, below, you get that, and the center. And then maybe that's kind of enough tuning to the breathing is you can work then on more subtle levels such as you know breathing through your palms of your hands opening your head particularly around the eyes the jaw and the scalp which tend to close up a bit so they will, uh, they will probably re- ask for the most attention you might not read the signs because you get used to having your face slightly scrunched so <laughs> So you're going to kind of feel it out. As could could anything here be more relaxed? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how, that's how I do it. What about thought? Thought. When thought arises in the mind. When thought arises in the mind. Mm-hmm. Well, (laughs) Uh, mm, I guess it depends how much what it's carrying, you know, how much push it's carrying. You know, some thoughts are more or less like just interference, just static, just crackle, you know, from mental activity, you just got this crackling stuff. It's no particular significance, it just means you're kind of energy isn't settled yet some of it may have more more significance to it you know you get a kind of real grinding nagging thought like that you know it's not just um, dithering so what's then with thought you might sort of just well put that to one side oh here it is again put it to one side oh here it is again put it to one side Oh, here it is again. Okay, what's this about? (laughs) And then you go to the emotion beneath the thought. The frustration, the grief, the resentment, the worry, you know, the doubt, the worry. Go to the emotion. Begin to acknowledge the emotion beneath the complex story of the thought. Do you understand? You know, thought can come out in a very long uh, form I do this, I do that, she never we try to get, really distill it down to one word frightened anxious, angry you know, that's the emotion when you get to the emotion feel how do, you, how do your body feel with that emotion where do you feel it? where do you feel your body most strongly where does it feel most uh, restricted or charged or intensified then rather than going right into that just settle around it just like you're gathering around something that's wounded get around it and just start to 
you know, breathe through it, um, talk to it, be with it, just sometimes just sitting with it there in a, in a, in a sympathetic way is, uh, allows it to move, allows it to shift, allows it to change, allows it to discharge. When you get stuff of that nature that's embedded, you can't flick it away and you can't squash it down and you don't really want to go into a whole run the whole story yet again you know which is what we do quite a lot of the time we run our narratives again and again and again because <laughs> we actually haven't got down to the one word that's needed like angry resentful guilty you know hurt so you get down to the one word then you can, you can actually that's the place where you can finally sit, be with that in a way that allows that to be fully felt fully heard and finally allows it to pass that's what you do with thoughts that's what I do with thoughts Yeah.